This is Kevin Conroy, the voice of Batman. This is Lauren Lester, the voice of Robin and Nightwing. And you're listening to the DCAU Review. Hosted by Cal and Liam. Streaming at DCAUReview.com. And on your favorite podcast app. Gotham City is out of control. An entire city screaming in fear. Super villains walk the streets, preying on the innocent. They will learn the true nature of power. The police are powerless. A creature prowls this urban wasteland. Is that? He moves in darkness. For some, he is a rumor. A name whispered in the corridors of the underworld, waiting for the chance to strike. Let every criminal know the acid taste of fear. You crazy! Gotham has forgotten what justice means. The Dark Knight is here to remind them. Batman. Good guys wear black. Welcome, everybody, to episode 285 of the DCAU Review. I am one of your hosts, Cal, with me, my good friend, good brother, the man that runs all of our social media accounts. It's Liam. Liam, we have turned the page. We are fresh out of spooky season. And now, here in the States, we're headed towards Turkey Town, which... (laughs) I don't think it's a saying at all, but I just coined it. So we're headed towards Turkey Town and everything that comes with the end of the year. So, uh, yes, as we step into the month of November here, we are excited to discuss uh, the original show that we nearly six years ago now set off on this journey about uh, discussing with uh, Batman, the animated series. And we are picking things up where we left off last just a few months ago with a a season two question mark slash three episode. (laughs) According to the Blu-rays, this is, we are on season two disc two. So uh, at least in production order, this is season two where it aired exactly as always kind of a mystery. We have the adventures of Batman and Robin intro, which tells me this aired later on in the run, but uh, who knows? That's right. We are reviewing today, Liam, the episode, I would say, very controversial. Um, and certainly, as we mentioned last week, not one of my faves growing up. The episode Baby Doll, which mm-hmm. has an incredible dynamic duo as far as our director and writer. It's a Paul Dini penned episode, as we'll get into here. And uh, very interested to uh, to hear our thoughts, uh, see if they've changed as we've grown, if our thoughts on this episode have changed at all. But uh, before we do, of course, we're going to go through our rundown, we're going to get our official IMDb synopsis and all of that. And just a reminder, uh, no new review this week, no new five-star review for many of the listeners. But uh, if you do leave a five-star review, we will read one at the end of our episode. And if we read yours... And you live within the continental United States, we'll be happy to send you a little prize and uh, as a thank you for taking the time to do so. So if you have time this week and you would like to leave a five-star review for us, do so and then get in touch with us uh, once we read your review on air. And uh, we'll be happy to get your details and send that little thank you out. 
But Liam, this week, this episode of Baby Doll originally aired here in the United States on October the 1st, 1994, meaning we just passed the 29-year anniversary of this episode's original airing here on Fox Kids here in the States. And of course, before we get our IMDb synopsis, we will, of course, remind you that it is brought to you by, as it always is, by the Pod Tower. If you like DC animation, if you like podcasts and or you like DC animated podcasts, this is the channel on YouTube for you. Head over to youtube.com slash the pod tower and subscribe today and you will get the entire catalog from the folks at Tim Talk that covered every episode of the DCAU from beginning to end. You'll also get some great content from our friends at the Watchtower Database who are currently in the middle of their Jump on the Batwagon podcast, which uh, started with Batman the Animated Series and is currently on a Superman the Animated Series run. And uh, then you, of course, get our entire catalog as well, all in one convenient place that's youtube.com slash the pod tower head over to today and subscribe absolutely so this is the episode uh baby doll we'll be talking about today as mentioned cal written by paul dini directed by dan reba with music by shirley walker and animation by studio junio or junio we've never known and we never will know <laughs> uh, but that synopsis reads as such a actress with a bizarre condition that makes her look permanently like a child seeks revenge against her canceled shows cast and crew. Okay. Um, I would, I would question that for accuracy. I guess she tries to get revenge on cousin spunky, but everybody else, she's just kidnapped them. Uh, them. And, And also she didn't kidnap any of the crew. True. She She didn't kidnap a cameraman or a grip or a best boy i also feel like it's a little bit insensitive to make it like a bizarre condition yeah like she's i mean they don't they don't specify but like she's a you know she's a little person she's a dwarf like right exactly it's not a on pc she has a yeah she has has a condition it's not uh it's not all that bizarre but yes that (laughs) is uh that is the episode as we, we we start out with a uh that we're getting out of a, a production of death of a salesman on I guess whatever the Gotham equivalent of Broadway is, they have their own Statue of Liberty, so I'm sure they have their own Broadway too. Yeah. Or maybe off-Broadway, because we're in kind of a seedy alley, and one of the actors uh, finds a little girl crying, and uh, she tells her that tells him that her big brother ran away and left her. And very quickly, this, uh, this uh, unnamed actor, uh, is in, it's made clear that he knows exactly who this supposed little girl is and uh before we know it we're getting a news report from summer gleason that uh that he's been kidnapped but he's certainly not the only actor in gotham city that's gone missing recently gotham insider asks where are they now when her sitcom love that baby premiered 20 years ago little mary louise doll became an overnight sensation as the adorable baby doll young mary quickly captured the hearts of millions Well, baby, you'd better have a pretty good explanation for this. I didn't mean to. I remember this show from when I was a kid. It still stinks. Be that as it may, three of the cast's original actors disappeared last week. 
And these two? Miss Vance is in the show at Gotham Rep. I have police bodyguards following her everywhere. But that other one, Mary Dahl, dropped out of sight years ago. Ironically, the same thing that brought her fame turned her into a recluse. I read about her once in a medical journal. She was born with systemic hypoplasia, a rare condition that kept her from aging. That's correct, yeah. So uh, Commissioner Gordon is, uh, is speaking with Batman and Robin. We get a full Batman and Robin episode here together. That's how you know it's the adventures of Batman and Robin, mm-hmm. right? <laughs> both uh, both gentlemen are, are here. What you don't see is the gun that Fox Kids had placed firmly in Bruce <laughs> Tim and Alan Burnett's back, mm-hmm. forcing mm-hmm. Robin into these scripts, whether he needed to be there or not. But yes, he is, uh, he is there. That's, that is a good sign of it being a, a later a later run episode spoiler alert i think he's the best part of the episode but we'll, <laughs> we'll, we'll continue here as we go through our i'll save the commentary maybe for a little bit later but uh, <laughs> yes commissioner gordon is speaking with batman and robin in his office about the kidnapped actor and uh mentions that uh, he's not the first uh actor from this former show called love that baby which was a sitcom uh, the time frame i guess maybe it ran for 10 seasons because Robin says he remembers it from when he was a kid. Gordon says it started about 20 years ago. And then we get another date later on that it was 10 years since the last episode aired. So I guess it was a potentially a a eight to 10 year run uh, for this show. But the show love that baby was uh, with this girl uh, by the name of baby doll. Uh, who is the main character portrayed by Mary Dahl, Dahl spelled D-A-H-L. Gotta, gotta love the puns here in classic Batman fashion. Uh, Mary Dahl was the actress. And uh, as, as we mentioned, uh, she has the physical condition uh, that, uh, that prevented her uh, from her, her body from aging, which uh, Batman reminds us is called uh, systemic hypoclasia. Uh, which, uh, yeah, is uh, according to the DCAU wiki, this is a real condition, but it is often just affects organs or individual body parts, not uh, not f- full hum- uh, persons. So feels like they mixed uh, mixed up a couple of things here for the storytelling. But I digress. Uh, but uh, yes, Mary Dahl was the lead of the act- lead actress of the show. Robin again seems to mention it, and uh, he was not a fan based on <laughs> based on everything that we know and every one of his reactions uh, to the show. Uh, not a fan of how everything goes. It's a typical sort of based on a typical '80s sitcom where you have uh, maybe a punky Brewster, or uh, I'm trying to think of something that was more uh more uh more relevant uh well, it, it is funny because obviously everything's in black and white and as we'll talk about in our voice cast we have more shout outs to like like golden age black and white sitcoms i think sure sure but, but you're absolutely right the vibe is way more like a full house like the little kid who comes in and says the one-liner and and you know has a catchphrase or whatever that's way more 80s and 90s for sure or Gary Coleman, uh, probably a good, mm-hmm. good, good uh, shout out probably gets there. So, yeah. So, uh, back to the story. Batman is uh, is is kind of putting two and two together there before he can even say anything. Mentions that the uh, that they should probably keep an eye on some of the other actors. Gordon mentions that while they have placed some bodyguards around one of the uh, one of the female actors that played Baby Doll's sister on the show. Uh, but uh, unfortunately, in the midst in the midst of this conversation, the police radio goes off 
and uh, then we hear uh, a, a, the police are under fire at the same theater that we started out at the beginning. So I guess the, the both the brother and the sister from the show were uh, were both on the death of a salesman because we cut back to that. And uh, uh, Gordon mentions that Dahl has been unable to be located in the midst of all of this, by the way. She had become sort of a recluse and they had not been able to locate her at that time. So as Harvey Bullock is on the scene shouting for backup as they're coming under fire, uh, as uh, as the the sister is attempting to be the sister on the show on the program is uh, is being abducted by these two thugs. And uh, as as they appear to about to to make off with her, we hear a voice come from the sky and it's none other than Robin saving the damsel in distress. He swings in, knocking out and there's a bit of a fight that occurs. Robin almost getting hit by a moving truck during this uh, during this little fight. But Batman actually swoops in, takes care of another one of the bad guys. The truck sliding in, though, certainly causes a bit of a distraction as the Robin makes like a. 12 foot box jump to get out of the way of this truck by the way like i know we should really save that for visuals but i was like man this guy i know he's an acrobat but that's uh that's an impressive vertical like he rob dick grayson should be in the nba you know what they say able to leap tall trucks in a single bound that's <laughs> that's how they usually describe robin from what i remember mm. um so yeah the uh the the uh, ad- abduction unfortunately goes through as batman is distracted uh he attempts to uh attempts to call in the batmobile for assistance to catch the getaway truck that is run at driving away uh with the abducted actress but just as the batmobile pulls out wouldn't you know it a young girl chasing a ball steps in the way baby haven't i told you not to run off i didn't mean to hold it naughty mr batmans you play too rough (laughs) i got it it's me though Nuns and dynamite, as the Flash would say, and the Batmobile unfortunately has to swerve out of the way at the last second, uh, allowing the truck to escape. Robin picks up the girl, doesn't happen to notice that she looks exactly like the girl he just saw in the video that they were talking about they have not found, but picks her up. And uh, is trying to console her. Uh, a, a nameless woman comes up and, and thanks Robin for saving her daughter. But uh, in the moment, 
uh, of course, she just can't resist dropping her tagline and says, I didn't mean to. Robin recognizes immediately at that point. It, it's that that jogs Robin's memory again, not the curly pigtails or the bows or the saddle shoes or any of that stuff that the girl is wearing that fits the exact descri- description and costume of her in the show. It's this line that uh, that uh, that that jogs Robin's memories. And just as they turn around, Batman and Robin both recognizing that this is the uh, lost baby doll character that they've been looking for. She throws down a, her ball that she chased out into the road. And it turns out to be a smoke bomb, which causes all sorts of confusion leading to a funny bit where Robin accidentally, uh, it grabs detective bullock from behind detaining him by accident. Uh, this allows baby doll and this strange woman to get away and uh yeah that uh oh man uh we we get more information as we cut to to uh summer gleason's office next and uh we we get uh her trying to get a comment from the mayor why why she's going to the (laughs) the mayor for this for this story (laughs) about a kidnapping from an old the actress i don't know but this is this is what we have but she's interrupted by batman and robin who uh happen to walk in and get the lowdown on just why baby doll might be after or interested in kidnapping this old cast and we get more of the backstory as we learn that uh baby doll herself had gotten a little bit tired of the role that she was in and had decided to qu- quit and walk out in the middle of production at one point uh, and tried to go make it on her own as a serious Since actress. Since interested in has-been actors? Since that one's been kidnapping her co-stars. You're serious? She's been picking them off one by one. Any reason she'd have a grudge? Actually, they should hate her. Dahl put them all out of work when she quit the series to become a dramatic actress. What? Will these hands never be clean? Here's the smell of the blood still. All the perfumes of Arabia will not sweeten this little hand. Oh, oh, oh. That's what the critics said. Baby's dramatic career flopped, and when she tried to start her TV show again, the networks turned her down. That still doesn't explain why she's after her old cast. Maybe there's a clue in these old episodes. You can borrow them if you want. And when you crack the case, you can pay me back with an exclusive... So at this point, she feels like perhaps there could be some motivation to reunite the cast or take some revenge in some form or fashion. Batman asks to borrow Summer Gleason's copies of the baby doll program which allows uh allows them to do a little bit more research and summer gleason says that she's happy to let them borrow them as long as she gets a one-on-one exclusive with the dark knight when uh once he cracks the case but of course batman has disappeared before she can even finish that sentence and then we actually cut to the aforementioned baby doll and the thus far captured part of her old cast just to get a little bit of insight on what is going on with this character and what her devious plans are with her old castmates. That's right. So yes, we, as we, uh, as had been mentioned on that, uh, that news report earlier, it isn't just the, her old uh, sitcom brother and sister 
that have been captured, but also her sitcom parents as well. And as they're all sort of discussing amongst themselves what exactly might be going on, we get uh, Baby Doll or, or Mary coming into the room and sitting up in a high chair, making everyone sort of sit down at a uh, at a at a kitchen table. And literally, they're on the set of the old sitcom, apparently. And uh, and she's uh, she's decided that she's going to just recreate the show because she realizes now that the the best years of her life were on this show and created on actual television she's just decided that she's going to recreate it uh, all on her own and uh, the father of this group or the would-be father todd is uh not not too pleased with this and can't believe how how deranged and selfish he is and in a very hollywood actor moment after he's been kidnapped by presumably the same two big burly men who kidnapped our other uh, our other two uh, is uh, is just gonna walk on out and tells uh, and tells baby doll she'll be hearing from his lawyer, which did uh, which did crack me up a little bit. But then uh, we see this red haired woman once again who had been uh, posing as uh, as baby doll's mother in the previous scene, and uh, she just she just beats him up, <laughs> and uh, it turns out she knows kung fu. Uh, so she uh, it's determined that very clearly these uh, these actors are not going to leave, although. Uh, baby doll reminds her that there's uh, one more piece that uh, they need to collect so and she tells them that they're going to be together forever which is uh quite ominous and then we of course cut to the back cave where batman and robin are discussing uh are discussing the case and robin's watching through all of these old episodes just just hates his life just miserable Remember that time Poison Ivy nearly smothered us in those vines with the really sharp thorns? Yes. This is worse. I did learn one thing, though. Baby hasn't gotten every member of her cast. In the last season, the show's ratings began to drop, so the producers introduced a new character, Baby's little cousin Spunky. (laughs) According to these... Doll was furious that she was upstage on her birthday episode and walked off the series. So why hasn't she gone after Cousin Spunky? Maybe she's waiting for the right occasion. But uh, they do mention as they're as they're continuing to discuss that there is one more cast member that is missing that she hasn't gotten yet. And that is this, uh, this late addition to the show, they introduced, which is another staple of a lot of these types of shows where once uh, the, the children characters get, uh, get a little too old uh, that, you know, they grow up, they start to go through puberty. We need a new little cute kid introduced. And, uh, and that is none other than on this show, cousin spunky, who uh, made his big splash by shoving baby doll's face into a cake on a birthday episode of the show, which even Robin can't quite help himself from chuckling at, but uh, he's, the, uh, the only thing he likes about the show is cousin Spunky. He's a big <laughs> right. Spunky guy, but uh, they, they mentioned that uh, he, he actually became uh, Spunky kind of became popular and that, and that in fact, that sort of drove uh, baby doll Mary to end the show prematurely because she didn't like having the spotlight taken away from her and uh, decided to, as mentioned in the previous scenes, try to go be a serious actor. And uh, when that didn't work, she tried to get the old show back together and that didn't work either. So they know that they've, uh, they've got to find this cousin spunky as he's sort of the last missing piece. 
And uh, where else would you find them? But in some suburban neighborhood, I guess all of these people live in Gotham, um, which is convenient for uh, <laughs> they all retired in New York. Plot, apparently. And uh, and Spunky is a, is a kid, lit, uh, young man living in suburbia, playing loud electric guitar in the uh, in his neighborhood with the garage door open. And uh, we see Miriam, um, uh, Baby Doll's assistant, walk up with uh, with some with a baby carriage, complaining that his guitar is too loud. And of course, when he tries to try to blow her off, we get the uh, the reveal that that uh, it's Baby Doll, of course, in the carriage, and they uh, they grab uh, old cousin Spunky as well, and uh, they decide they're going to reenact this birthday party, but this time it's going to be a little bit different. She's going to shove coven, cousin Spunky's face into the cake. And of course, what else would there be in the cake? Uh, no nuns, but we do have dynamite this week. It's time for my birthday party. Yay! We're going to have so much fun. Ready when you are, Miss Doll. Goodies! You all remembers what happened the last time I had a birthday. Poopy old spunkies pushed my head in the cake. Everybody laughed and laughed. Well, I'm laughing now. Well, what do you matter me for? It wasn't anything personal. We were just playing characters in a TV show. It was real to me. Everybody loved Baby Doll until you came along. You made them forget me. Now, Baby's gonna get Avens. No, don't! Stop her! Help! Wait! Wait. <laughs> it's never too late to have a happy childhood. She's going to uh, blow him up for, I guess, killing her her show, and uh, maybe I guess kill herself and every uh, the rest of the cast because it's like they're all sitting at the table. Yep. So uh, uh, gr- group uh, group murder suicide here attempt, and uh, but Spunky is a little more resourceful than we realize as he grabs the dynamite with his teeth and then like. I don't know. I don't know the physics of this, but he whips his head backwards and spits the dynamite away, and it blows up far enough away that it doesn't do any damage. And uh, we then find out that uh, Baby Doll's little doll that she's been carrying around, Mister Happy Head, is uh, also has a gun inside of one of his eyes, and she aims it right at Spunky. And uh, that's when Batman finally makes his uh, his entrance into the room. And we reveal that it's not the actual cousin Spunky that's been tied up, but Robin in disguise. And uh, it's time for our final showdown. But first they have to deal with uh, Baby Doll begins to run off. But uh, Miriam, as we discussed, is uh, a little tougher than she looks and gives Batman and Robin a little bit of trouble before Batman. <laughs> well, again, I feel like I should save some of this for visuals because I don't know what else we're going to talk about. But he like he wraps a batter bat rope it's not a grappling hook it's a bat rope battering with a rope on it around her leg and she tries to do like a big flying kick and he like grabs her and swings her through a wall like it's i don't know the yeah the physics the how did he it is like a, a, a you know a television set wall so maybe it's like cheap plywood and paper or whatever hmm. but it's still like i was kind of shocked that they were allowed to do something that even vaguely violent <laughs> 
yeah. in this scene. But uh, that sort of leads us towards our, our grand finale as Batman tells Robin to stay behind and tend to the hostages. And he's going to go chase down Baby Doll, who has made her way into what else? What, where else would we have our final showdown? But uh, a carnival. Mm-hmm. Naturally. Um, yep. So Baby Doll rides a little tricycle, a big wheel, in fact, uh, all the way. Uh, to said carnival and she weaves her way in and out batman tracks her there and uh, he decides he's going to see if he can see her from above it is a hustling bustling carnival for sure he goes to the top of uh, one of the uh, roller coasters and uh, he's from the top of the roller coaster he's trying his best to see but quickly quickly realizes that with as many people that are there in attendance, it's going to be a difficult task to spot her even from there. So, of course, using his intellect, Batman figures that he can draw the crowd away from her if he's able to get their attention. So he swings down a little bit lower and lands on one of the booths. And from there, he pretty much just stands there and we get some hashtag cape movement, Liam. Talk about that. In our Absolutely. Stands on top of one of the booths. And this, of course, attracts not only kids, but begins pulling adults over to just look in awe at the Batman and see him there and ooh and ah. And I feel like if this was nowadays, they would have been taking pictures of him with their cell phones. But mm-hmm, mm-hmm. Uh, the one one person, of course, that isn't interested in seeing Batman is left behind. And that is Baby Doll herself, who kind of puts two and two together and realizes that she's lost her cover at this point and sprints away. Batman chases her down through sort of one of a like a McDonald's play place, essentially, with those little plastic tunnels and uh, chases her into uh, into and through some tunnels where she actually gets the upper hand on him. She, he's obviously a big hulking man in a in a uh, in a tunnel. I feel like there's a there's a comic a children's comedy movie where this takes place, like Jingle All the Way or something like that, where That's plausible where he's chasing a kid through one of these things and there's comedy of course haha that ensues um in this case however it's violence that ensues is uh, batman gets uh hit in the head several times he gets pistol whipped with mr happy head several different times and uh then just as uh as it appears that uh, he may be done for as baby doll has him dead to rights with mr happy head pointed in his direction he pulls out a grappling gun and shoots it directly knocking Mr. Happy Head out of the tube, forcing Baby Doll to chase after. And as she does, she continues down this path and ends up in the Hall of Mirrors. The Hall of Mirrors uh, seems to be a good hiding place for her, but as she runs down, she begins to see all of these distorted uh, uh, versions of her, as you would going through a Hall of Mirrors. But the last mirror... She's suddenly uh, her attention is suddenly grabbed by by this last mirror because it appears to make her uh, look like an adult, an adult, fully grown adult woman. And uh, she's distracted by it. And she is, uh, is sort of in all of her own beauty. And then she quickly realizes that it's all a mirage as she begins to sort of narrate what's going on. And look, that's me in there. The real me. There I am. But it's not really real, is it? Just made up and pretend like my family and my life and everything else. 
Why couldn't you just let me make believe? sees Batman in one of the reflections of the mirror, but she believes it to be him. So she turns Mr. Happy Head loose and just begins shooting at every mirror that she can see until finally all the mirrors are taken out, except for this final visage of her as an adult woman. And she turns, looks at it, and then again begins shooting it, destroying the final version of her as she begins to weep and cry until... Mr. Happy Head is completely out of ammo and Batman knows it's safe to approach at that point. And she begins bawling, grabbing onto Batman's leg as he gently pats her head, understanding the turmoil that she's been through as she utters, I didn't mean to, as the last line of the episode. And that is where we end things, Liam. So... (laughs) Um, I'm not going to be very kind to this episode. I'll just say that. <laughs> I never liked this episode. I still do not like this episode. I think that there are bones of an interesting idea here. Mm. And I think that we have seen the tragedy of the Batman villains used so well when it comes to Batman, the animated series. I think that this episode in some ways undermines itself for two reasons. I actually went online. I read a couple of different people's opinions of this episode just to see where people Mm -hmm. landed. I think there are a lot of people who modern day have kind of seen things in this, uh, in this particular episode um, applied it to their, their own lives uh, or, or just, I think read into what was actually said in the story. I I read one particular review that said, oh, the the tragedy of her being rejected by her own family. And I was like, wait a minute, was that in the episode? Did we get? (laughs) No, there's there. I I went back and looked. I'm like, no, there's no implication that she had. Obviously, she's a Hollywood child. So you can kind of draw from that or read into that. Right. There's not been too many stories of child actors or actresses that turn out to be happy contributing members of of society. They're there, but a lot of times it's crash and burn television for a lot of people. Um, The ones that do are the ones that like retired at at 13 and uh, right. And, (laughs) you know, and you're never Poughkeepsie. Exactly. It would have been cousin spunky, essentially. (laughs) Cousin spunky's happy in his garage playing his guitar. Like as a, as a grown man, like he's, he's forgotten his acting age, but so I, I, I think you can apply some things to this. You can add your own sort of headcanon to what's going on. Sure. Um, and make a more interesting story than I think was actually told. What's actually told is the story of a mentally deranged person who, mm-hmm. who while in some ways, like they didn't, it didn't even feel like they made her a victim of like, 
try like it's nowadays i feel like it's so easy and maybe it's because we've seen that type of self-destruction and the tragedy that comes with child actors and actresses that it's just in our conscious to be to understand like that that's typically not like a normal life for a child to live but we don't she's 20 years old or something like that so she isn't a kid when she's on the show she so you can't even it's hard to even apply that to it like because they said she's 30 in the episode she's she was which means she was only 20 or maybe she was 10 i don't know depending on i guess where the show is anyway i'm Mm -hmm. I'm talking in circles here but i feel like there's a lot being read into what 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 the character story was when it turns out it's just it it's just a sort of a mentally deranged person that's trying to kill herself and the other people and you don't really get that idea that she isn't happy with her physical appearance until that final scene like that's where it turns into like the yeah I don't feel I don't feel like I can be a normal person. That was that was not the story that was told for the entire episode. The entire episode was that she was jealous that she got upstaged by this other guy and she tried to break out on her own as an actor in serious roles, but she was only ever type she was typecast essentially. So it's it's similar to like the Grey Ghost story too. Uh, I was gonna say I think there are the the elements of this. I don't want to cut you off if you're no, not. Go ahead. Finished, but, no, go ahead. Uh, there are elements of this story that I think have been done better in other episodes that we've uh, that we've talked about. It's it's uh, it's you know there's uh, as you mentioned there's episodes about an actor being typecast and how. You know, people only seeing you as the character you played on TV, how devastating that can be and how tough it can be to work after you've had such a, you know, such a successful and iconic role because people can't see you as anything other than that character. We've talk, you know, the the physical, you know, the physical issue of her, you know, not not caring, you know, not or visualizing a certain way that she should look and in reality not being able to achieve that. That's, you know, that's in so many of our our villains across these shows that you know, that go through these, you know, uh, horrific physical transformations like a Clayface or Two-Face or, um, you know, some of the static villains even. Like there's a lot of a lot of that across these shows that I think is is dealt with in a way more uh, interesting way and a way more, and it's, and it's sort of a theme throughout the episode, whereas to your point, and they even say that in, I think it's one of the times when they're talking to, the, to Summer Gleason where they're like, oh, uh, she hates her old castmates, huh? And and she says, "Well, they should hate her. She's the one who got the show canceled. Like she walked off the set. She like so clearly. Like there is something here that, like you said, like okay, this is someone that you can feel, you know, sympathy for, in that she clearly has like a mental derangement, and right. and, and now after she tried to go out into the world and make something of herself on her own." And was unsuccessful. Now she wants to try to, you know, hold on to a little bit of her, you know, the, her her perceived happiness. Even though, as we established by the end, everyone on the show was miserable. Uh, but it's the past, like you know, it's her trying to relive her own nostalgia. He said on his podcast where he talks about Batman cartoons from thirty <laughs> years ago. Uh, like very, very again, all of these things are like very interesting and identifiable. And uh, like I said, you could you can feel I think you could you could feel empathy if any of those were the focus. 
but it's not real. None of those are really the focus for too much of the episode. Mm-hmm. And by the time we get to that thing, I think the final scene, and we'll talk about that later in voice acting, certainly, uh, is is tremendous. Um, you know, both on the side of Batman sort of trying in vain to reach out to her, uh, you know, to, you know, when he tells her, like, I know, I know you're scared. You don't have to do this. Like he's trying to, you know, he doesn't want to have a fist fight with, the, <laughs> you know, with, with this, with this person that's clearly, you know, uh, disturbed. But and then the the scene of her sort of talking out how she how she sees herself versus how the world sees her. Like again, I think that's all interesting, identifiable, and has been covered in a lot of our other episodes in in more interesting ways and more full ways. But as it stands, it felt like we wanted so much of this episode to be either as we'll talk about visual gags of isn't it funny that this person that looks like a little girl, like a literal baby, is fighting Batman. Um, and two, like they wanted to obviously pay pay homage to these sort of various eras of sitcoms, and 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 so it's it feels like it's a very sort of light comedic episode until we hit that last two minutes of our runtime, where now we're creating this story of her being sort of you know poked and prodded and put through the ringer of Hollywood. Again, could have been could have been an interesting idea. I think it's a character that would maybe be worth revisiting in another show or another comic book or something down the line. But as it stands, I, yeah, I don't think the final prop pro, uh, product of this episode could have been if maybe we had picked a lane a little bit. I think no, and that's and here's here's because it didn't have a lane to lay in. And what we got, I was so irritated. Like so much of this episode is irritating, and some and like I get it. She she's supposed to be a this person that has a disorder that gives her this like her identity is completely and solely found in this character. So she talks like this child, but that's so much of the episode, and it's so like it's just so cartoony and goofy. And it's not at no point did I like laugh haha at this episode. Like it doesn't, it didn't make it didn't like it's not funny enough to be a comedy episode. Right. And it's not Robin, as you mentioned, Robin has some pretty funny lines we'll talk about later. But Robin uh, is the best part. Robin yeah. taking a my, Robin's Robin's whole thing is like my my whole mood for the entire episode. He's like pu at the beginning (laughs) that's awful like he just has this terrible like this is not good attitude watching her acting or the or the sitcom and then at the end when cousin spunky shoves her face into the cake we get a little haha he he like chuckles a little bit and like Mm -hmm. yeah the little bit at the end where batman is running through the 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 carnival and we get the mirror scene and batman looks cool we'll talk about here we get into visuals but Mm. It's just the end product and and how the episode ends. Like we don't really get does she go to jail? Does she what's her what's her punishment for kidnapping these people? We're supposed to feel bad that she, you know, she has this mental breakdown finally coming to realize that this is like what the root I, I like I don't know what I'm supposed to feel at the end or why I'm supposed to feel bad for her because she has this realization that she'll never look like a real like a grown adult woman. So 
it it just left me very confused. I didn't like the episode overall. We spend so much time with Baby Doll. It's just and she annoys me as a character. Her voice is annoying. <laughs> uh, so uh, for all those reasons, I despise this episode. I want. <laughs> Ripped from the record and never talked about again. I ended up giving plot a two out of 10 and only a two out of 10 because of the final scene at the carnival and Robin's little comedic bits there. Everything else you (laughs) can transfer directly to hell. (laughs) Um, Yeah. I I went a couple points higher. I I gave it a four. I didn't uh, particularly enjoy it either. Um, Like I said, uh, that last scene is really good. And if the episode was spent more time in the episode was spent sort of understanding her and like, to me, it should be that like, she hates being seen as right. You know, being, being infantilized, being seen as this little girl character she played, uh, you know, much like, as you mentioned, like a, a Gary Coleman or obviously famously like Shirley Temple or some of the, you know, some of the famous child actors of, especially of that era of uh you know of hollywood were treated horribly um but but she she herself is the one trying to recreate it because as you know that was the most successful and i guess in retrospect happy she ever was um but yeah it's it's hard to feel too much like i said i feel like at the end maybe you feel sympathetic for her because she's such a like broken and deranged person that you don't feel like empathy for her because the, we only really learn about like this plight about her, you know, her physical appearance and how that's over the years. We only really get that at the very end of the episode. The rest of the episode was just about how she, you know, she screwed up an acting job and then, you know, is trying to recreate this sitcom. And again, like I said, there's a lot of it is spent on gags and on homages to various eras of sitcoms, which we'll talk about uh, maybe in a little bit in visuals as well. But it's, yeah, overall, I, I just, I think, I think there's a really interesting idea here. Like I said, I, I even think, you know, as, as Paul Dini, you know, a couple of years ago, he wrote a, you know, a, a novel version of Mad Love that it, you know, kind of expanded even more on Harley as a character before she meets the Joker. You know, I could see, you know, I could see Paul Dini himself even coming back to this character and writing, writing a story that maybe is infused with more, uh, with more of the good stuff from the end of the episode throughout. And then maybe this character is more interesting and less, uh, less annoying, but uh, we'll, we'll talk about that more in voice acting in a minute. (laughs) Yeah. I guess we should mention just for the posterity of saying we mentioned it, the cousin spunky thing is a direct riff on the cousin oliver character that was created for the last season of the brady bunch because all of the all of the brady kids uh because that show ran for like 12 years uh all of the kids were like 30 so (laughs) so they introduced the new as mentioned they introduced it happened on the cosby show uh like a lot of sitcoms will do that where the 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 cute little kid character you know becomes a teenager and in real life so they they introduced the new uh, the new little kid, but that, that was uh, specifically lampooning I, the, the Brady Bunch, I think, with that inclusion. So, who on earth would ever try and elongate content just for the sake <laughs> of making content? That's that terrible people, you know. Mm-hmm, mm-hmm. Who would ever do that? Just get in and get out, you know. Right. Don't overstay your welcome. Right. Pretty, pretty <laughs> precisely. <laughs> 
it's Kaylee Cuoco for Priceline. Ready to go to your happy place for a happy price? Well, why didn't you say so? Just download the Priceline app right now and save up to 60% on hotels. So whether it's Cousin Kevin's Kazoo concert in Kansas City, go Kevin! Or Becky's Bachelorette Bash in Bermuda. You never have to miss a trip ever again. So download the Priceline app today. Your savings are waiting. Go to your happy place for a happy price. Go to your happy price, Priceline. All right, Liam, let's move on to our next category, which is going to be animation and visuals. You mentioned Studio Junio or Junio, whichever it is responsible for our animation this week. Uh, All right. Uh, I'm going to get something out of the way here that I couldn't put my finger on while I was watching it. I was like, Baby Doll's character model looks like somebody or something that I've seen before. Oh, I know. <laughs> haunted me forever. The answer is Elmira from yes. Tiny Toons. Correct. Which to me, I always assumed because there's so much like Tiny Toon alum on this show, I genuinely would have thought the episode pitch began and ended with wouldn't it be funny if batman had to fight elmira from tiny tunes right right i yeah the story the story there's some stories out there on the various wikis about the pitch and paul dini thinking that bruce tim and and alan burnett were going to reject this story but ultimately ended up not rejecting it so (laughs) i don't know if he threw it out as a joke and it turned into like a haha now the joke's on you you have to write this Uh, we actually like this idea you have to write it but yeah um the that's the other thing we didn't mention in plot but it's written by paul dini who has a pretty good batting average so Mm -hmm. it's almost like the the stakes are a little bit higher you expect a good story but yeah i I don't think this is among the best but yeah character model looks like elmira from tiny tunes um that takes me immediately out of the episode like i don't see this person living in the same universe as batman robin <laughs> commissioner gordon this doesn't this doesn't look like cart uh dc animated uh little person or dc animated child it looks like someone from tiny tunes was transported yes. <laughs> into the dc animated universe which adds to the irritation that i have with yeah, what we've seen little kids in this show before you know <laughs> I mean, I know she's not the literally. Underdwellers, but... Liam. Dollar yeah. in, the, in the bad episode jar. <laughs> Underdwellers, the Invisible Man episode. I've got Batman in my basement. Like, there's, we've seen kids of varying ages in this show. None of them had those, like, giant, like, uh, saucer eyes that uh, that Baby Doll has. Correct. Yeah, I I don't get it. And Cousin Spunky isn't that much better either. Like... He he's kind of got the same DNA. He doesn't have quite the same giant eyes, but he's definitely like a Bruce Tim caricature drawing of a Looney Tune. Like it just is. Yeah, not a fan of the baby doll character. And it is so much of this episode, as we just discussed, she has so much screen time. So it's very irritating to me that I watched a 22 minute episode of Elmira running around in Gotham (laughs) City. But uh let's get back to the i guess the rest of the episode so we don't have a lot of action in fisticuffs because it's batman versus a child child essentially a baby doll the entire episode but we do get a little bit of brutality we get batman getting pistol whipped by by mr happy head which very famously it's on one of the one of the wikis i think it's the dcau wiki there's uh some storyboards from 
from the episode uh, featuring the sequence of Batman getting pistol whipped several times. And there's notes from uh, S&P saying Batman, uh, baby doll cannot bash Batman in the head with with Mr. Happy Head. Uh, but that ended up getting through somehow. So I don't know if it was the t- it was they had to re like change the yeah, angle like of the attack. cut away quicker or something. Right, give up one of those flashbangs that happens, yeah. or yeah, do a POV shot or something. But uh, interestingly, S and P standards and practices were not in favor of Batman getting bashed in the head with a baby doll <laughs> with baby doll's baby doll. So. Um, there is plenty of batman looking cool in this episode especially in the third act uh lots of batman standing in the shadows and the the white lenses and standing on top especially the shot of him standing on top of the roller coaster i thought that shot was really really cool looking um house of mirrors bit is really good too uh lots of batman in the shadows lenses she keeps Mm -hmm. turning changing mirrors and the mirrors explode and then you cut to another mirror and she shoots that mirror and that mirror explodes and batman's moving around from mirror to mirror um i did also like uh the opening sequence with with baby doll in the you get kind of the sort of the the silhouette of her. It's a very creepy child, like horror, certainly horror movie vibes. I know we've moved out of the spooky season, but uh, you know, a, a crying child with a with a uh, somewhat highlighted silhouette in a uh, in a dark alley that leads to a man, grown man, getting abducted is certainly spooky enough. Uh, but we get that a couple of times with her kind of being silhouetted and. Um, so yeah, um, I, I didn't have, didn't have, uh, too much of oh, the, the fight scene, I guess the fight scene on the set that you mentioned is, uh, is worth discussing too, with, uh, with our, with our assistant, um, Miriam that, that was, uh, that was playing, playing baby doll surrogate mom for the episode who also knows Kung Fu apparently, or karate <laughs> the other uh, because she handles she handles Robin pretty easily, and Batman uh, Batman has his hands full with her. Batman has a has a camera fall on him in that sequence. That was pretty rough. It's, was, it's like a big giant like spotlight. He should be dead. <laughs> I was gonna say I was surprised. Batman's, Batman's couch has just been a big bag of blood at that point. <laughs> uh, yeah. Um, all right. I I probably took up every all the highlights now. But uh, anything else? that I left untouched that's worth uh, worth discussing as far as uh, you you mentioned at the top Robin's 12 foot uh jump over the over the top of the truck saving his own life. Uh, Very impressive. Yeah, I think uh, this is another episode as we've mentioned in the past that is uh that had adventures in Batman and Robin uh, trading cards made out of it. Uh, with very grainy screenshots mm-hmm. uh but uh especially the shot of Batman where he's sort of he's sort of standing on top of the whatever it is, the hot dog stand or whatever to, to get all of the kids to run up to him so that he can see where baby doll is hiding. Um, which is great, which is a great bit, by the way, like him, him like tweeting, like, okay, I'm not gonna be able to find her if I'm up here. So I'll jump down and everyone will run up to see me except for her. Who's trying to avoid me. Like that's right. a, that's a, that's a clever little bit there. Yeah. I, I never picked that up as a kid. Like I never, I never realized that that's what he was doing. And then today I was like, Oh, that's really, that's really impressive. That's pretty fun. Yes, that's pretty clever. But uh, yeah, that image, he's kind of like half in silhouette, but it's his bottom half. So it's just like his, his cape is kind of flowing in and out of shadow. And and then you you see the symbol and, 
and his face. So I, I always thought that shot's pretty iconic. Um, I like, yeah, I like, I do like the design of the gun coming out of Mr. Happy Head as like a little Raggedy Andy doll. Mm-hmm. Um, I think that's, that's kind of fun. Uh, one thing I noticed, it's not on the DCAU wiki, but I know because I watched a lot of TV land uh, growing up is that the mom of the sitcom, whose name is June, they say, is very clearly based on the mom from uh, Leave it to Beaver. Aha! Uh, Barbara great. Billingsley, I believe was her name. Mm-hmm. Uh, but uh, if you look, yeah, if you look facially and then the way her, her hair is done in the in the old sitcom footage, it's it's uh, it's June from uh, from uh, from Leave It to Beaver. So some fun sitcom uh, homages. Not only we'll talk about some more uh, uh, homages to uh, to those various sitcoms from various eras when we get to voice acting. But yeah, uh, like I said, I think we kind of covered all the highlights. All the all the silhouette is cool. The shot where. You know, Summer Gleason looks up after she hears Batman's voice and he's standing there in shadow. And then Robin kind of slowly walks out from behind him, I think is really like, I don't think it was intended to be funny, but I laughed at it. <laughs> like, mm-hmm. like he's like, he's squat. Like, I don't, I don't know how much taller Batman's supposed to be than Robin, but like, it felt like Robin's like, like making himself as skinny as possible and then squatting down a little bit mm-hmm. so that Batman can have his cool entrance before he, he uh, saunters into frame. But uh, yeah, a lot of a lot of cool Batman and silhouette. Um, Studio Junio, kind of a mixed track record. Uh, we've we've talked about them. I think this might be the last episode of theirs we hadn't we hadn't done before. Uh, they did Dreams and Darkness and Avatar and Mudslide, which I'll, I'll remember being pretty good. But they also did uh, Bullet for Bullock. And speaking of a dollar in the bad episode jar, Underdwellers. So uh not this isn't this isn't acum bad but there's just like there's something a little bit off when everybody's model i feel like and everybody's a little like a little shaky but not not too bad like i said there's a lot of like i you know silhouetted batman stuff especially that ending bit in the uh the hall of mirrors and yeah i'm sure like doing all of the warped reflections and stuff of baby dolls and i don't even know how you begin to pull a trick like that off in in traditional hand-drawn animation so that's very impressive as well so uh not nothing great i i like the and as we already talked you already touched on the baby doll design itself um yeah she looks like elmira but with blonde hair so uh and she has curls which again i kind of figured was maybe like a shirley temple uh shout but um i i don't know i ended up settling on a on a seven out of ten for visuals i think there's a lot of good looking stuff in here a lot of cool backgrounds the sitcom set the carnival are not typical things we see in this show Mm mm-hmm so kind of some unique settings and uh, as mentioned, lots of shots of Batman looking pretty cool. So uh, yeah, I settled on a seven for my uh, visual score. I just want a point lower. I just not enough action in the episode for me. Uh, maybe some more action would have been uh, enough to pull up my plot score a little bit because I would have been distracted. It's just that you already talked about also the, we don't quite get how did Robin, what was Robin's suit? uh spunky suit which mm-hmm. by the way i i did not remember 
before this episode that Robin was spun- was spunky in disguise. So that yeah, was a nice happy when he, when he bit the dynamite and threw it away. I remembered, but not before. Yeah, not before then. Yeah, that was that was a nice little surprise. But also, he just takes off the mask, which is fine. But like, no explanation as to the fat suit or where his gloves came from. <laughs> where he was fully suited, cape, gloves, belt, and all. Inside this fat suit, I guess. He's um, wearing a rubber, a completely rubber human suit over, <laughs> over his entire costume. Yes. Hair still looked great when he took it off, though. Still spiked up. Whatever, uh, whatever gel he's he's, <laughs> got, he's using, very impressive. Didn't got didn't sweat it out. Brought to you by Got to Be Glued. That's right. Oh, <laughs> and I should mention, speaking of uh, other old sitcom homages, the two thugs are Gilligan and the Skipper from Gilligan's Island. Right. Yeah, we did. So. Did, did miss that homage but yeah so six out of ten for me just a little bit lower not enough action for me um di- i did appreciate that those uh those cool batman visuals uh the, the hashtag cape movement on top of the hot dog stand is pretty cool uh but just yeah not not enough uh interesting stuff outside of that to to bring me out of it or to take away from my dislike of the baby doll design who does get a? I I would say gets an upgrade when it comes to her design and and beat in uh, <laughs> New Batman Adventures. So, uh, all right, Liam, let's move on to our next category, which is going to be music. Uh, music this week by the great Shirley Walker. Um, thoughts on music? We get a reused musical piece that we yes. heard twice before, not not sequentially, but we've heard it twice before you know on our reviews at least yeah like the uh the carnival like uh ferris wheel merry-go-round music or whatever re uh reused from robin's reckoning part two and then uh, it would later be used again on world's finest i believe so uh yeah i mean i think there's a lot there's a lot of xylophone which i think goes along with our our very tiny tunes looking uh main villain Mm-hmm. Um, there's a lot of you know kind of whimsical sitcom music even even during like the more sinister moments when she's you know tell when she pulls the gun or whatever and tells tells the the rest of the family that they're they're going to be together forever or whatever um, I think that's real you know there's there's some kind of fun little sitcom ending stings used there pretty pretty effectively I enjoyed that um, and then, yeah, the the end, bit, the, the little bit of music we get at the end when she's in the Hall of Mirrors, I think, is solid. Um, I didn't necessarily pick up, other than like the type of instrument used, I didn't necessarily pick up immediately on like a specific baby doll theme. It just felt like when she showed up, there's there's more xylophones and sort of whimsical sitcom cartoon music i think it's whatever was supposed to be the it's kind of like the tv show theme song it's what starts when you see the title card and then comes in a little bit later which is absolutely xylophone but it feels like a derivative almost of the joker theme like it's that same and that's just maybe because the joker's theme is played on xylophone in some some instances but yeah it felt um it pops up at the beginning uh and plays throughout that kind of scene there and then it shows up again i think when we get the reveal uh with the batmobile swerve and then the maybe again when she gets spunky or who she thinks is spunky and she she kidnaps him so i think i think it pulls up a couple of different times there and then there's a variation of it that plays when she runs into the 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 play place 
uh, and Batman chases in after. Her. Yeah, yeah. So I like I I think there's some good stuff. Like I said, not a a hummable track or a villain theme. Like you said, there's definitely a. Uh, we talked about it before when uh, when they they get to go into a certain genre of uh, of show or or movie and they sort of uh, that that that's appropriate for the character. It feels like the uh, our composers always get to have a little bit of fun there. Um, I, I settled on a seven out of ten for music. I think it's I think it's good and like I said, I think it adds a lot to that that final scene, especially, but uh, not uh, like I said, not a not a super memorable soundtrack beyond just the the use of some instruments that perhaps uh, don't normally get used yeah there's uh one or two shirley walker batman refrains that come in ones with the batmobile and i think one uh is later in the house of mirrors but um yeah just not uh not a ton like i it's it's fine but it felt like i said just a little bit too close to harley and joker's theme for my liking um it's a fine musical piece but just not just not different enough and again sometimes it's hard it's hard when you're reviewing an episode and you dislike the main portion of it which is the story (laughs) not then take that out on all the other categories right we sure our best not to do that so um i'm still giving it a six out of ten i think it's i think there's some good stuff here but i think my nitpicking is is that it just feels a little too derivative so that's my uh that's my critique would i have been as critical had i liked the episode i don't know (laughs) (laughs) i guess we'll never know as the uh the the meme says exactly all right liam let's uh wrap things up here with our final category of the day which is going to be our cast of voice actors and actresses as you mentioned quite a large cast here even with some of our voice cast members only uh having a few short lines but certainly worth noting because of their uh their links as you mentioned to their own place in television history and sitcoms and so, and the like so let's go ahead and talk about this week's voice cast Absolutely. So playing, well, actually, we don't know if this is actually how Cousin Spunky sounds because it's Robin the whole time, as it turns out. <laughs> but based on Strange Secret of Bruce Wayne, he is apparently a perfect mimic of other people's voices. So uh, we'll just assume that's how Cousin Spunky sounds. It's played by Jason Marsden, a guy we talk about all the time, especially as gear on Static Shock and Snapper Car on Justice League. But apparently this this would be uh, in the chronological order. This would be his first DCAU role. So there's a weird little trivia note uh, to, to stick in your brain. But, you uh, worth, worth noting, a, a, a start to a memorable career with the DCAU. Absolutely. Um, elsewhere, uh, we do have uh, Tazia Valenza voicing Miriam, uh, Baby Doll's uh, right-hand woman uh she's uh maybe more famous she plays poison ivy all the time and stuff now um the arkham games probably most famously but like lego stuff and i think some of the some of the dc superhero girls stuff as well so um i think we've probably talked about her before as well and other things but a veteran voice actor doesn't get a lot to do but is uh, she does get get an important line though that's a shout out to maybe 
a show that you don't think of when it comes to sitcoms, but was technically a sitcom. Uh, but yeah. it was the first animated sitcom, maybe, which was the Flintstones, where uh, she's kicking Robin's ass with Kung Fu. And Robin goes, man, you're something else. And she goes, it's a living. And then she <laughs> get into a Kung Fu stance and try and try and uh, continue beating Robin. So good call. <laughs> like that. It's a living uh, shrug before uh, before getting back down to business. <laughs> That's right. Uh, a couple other brief ones. Drew Strangus plays uh, Tammy, the the sister on the sitcom. Doesn't get much to do there, but uh, some of our other uh, uh, baby doll sitcom family actors are worth talking about. Uh, well, they're all worth talking about. I don't want to say that, but are more memorable to talk about. One being Alan Young playing uh, playing the dad, Todd, uh, probably best known uh, to people of a certain era. He was the the human character on the Mr. Ed show, but the talking horse sitcom, mm-hmm. uh, he was Wilbur on that show. Uh, also had a pretty memorable uh, voice acting career as well. Didn't he do uh, Scrooge McDuck? I think he's Scrooge. McDuck. Yes. He's Scrooge McDuck in, uh, in DuckTales and the Mickey Christmas Carol and, and, uh, and all that. And I think we've talked about him on, I think he was in an episode of static as well. So okay. um, yeah, he's, he's a yeah, really, really talented voice actor. And uh, obviously yeah, probably best, best known to people listening to this, probably, as you mentioned, as, as Scrooge McDuck on, uh, on, uh, on DuckTales and, and, and all that, but uh, it was fun, fun hearing him. He's a very memorable voice. Also had a turn on a radio drama adventures in Odyssey that you and I, I listened to growing up, so yep. uh, very memorable voice to uh, to us personally in our childhood. But uh, uh, elsewhere, and this is this is a really fun one. Although ironically, he's not playing cousin Spunky. <laughs> they got cousin Oliver <laughs> in this episode. Robbie, what? Yeah. Rob, Robbie Wrist <laughs> is playing uh, Brian, the older brother character. Um, who folks? He also had, he also went on to have a great uh, voice acting career. He voiced uh, Michelangelo and a lot of Ninja Turtles stuff. Mm-hmm. I, think, I think the live action movies actually he's doing the voice of, the, of, uh, of Michelangelo. So um, and as uh, as I think come back to voice the character a few more times. But yeah, cousin Oliver himself is uh, is is voicing a character in this episode that has a cousin Oliver pastiche in it which i just think is wonderful <laughs> they and and i mean kudos we uh through conversations with a friend of the show kevin altieri and and of course the you know the the numerous dvd extras and things that we've seen andrea romano was famous for doing this where they were like what if we got this person to play this role as an homage or as a shout out or as mm-hmm. a wink or a nod because of the of what we're writing about and how mm-hmm. often that that turned out to be such a a funny wink and a nod or you know giving somebody a job in a in a role that they uh, are ironically playing in some some form or fashion but yeah this is not uh, not the first time nor the last time uh, that the the great Andrea Romano chose to you know work with a a, a character and cast them in a way that was sort of fitting to mirroring what happened in real life so yeah kudos he doesn't get a whole lot to do obviously in the episode he he talks in the first scene very briefly but yeah uh, just just pretty funny and cool that they ended up going out they could have gotten anybody to do the heck bruce tim or somebody could have done right but they're like yeah let's let's get robbie wrist to do this since he was cousin oliver like how cool is that yeah and then he obviously had a, a sense of humor about i'm sure when he read the script of realizing 
what this was sort of homaging and lampooning and obviously came in to do it. So yeah, it's, it's, that's just such a fun note when I, when I read that in the, uh, on, on IMDb and I was like, Oh my God, they actually got cousin Oliver in the episode about how cousin Oliver, you know, ruined, ruined sitcoms basically. Uh, so that's a, that's a great bit there. Um, some of our other regulars, uh, regular guest characters, we do have Marie Devon as Summer Gleason. We have, uh, briefly, we have Robert Costanza as Harvey Bullock and Bob Hastings as Gordon. And it's, it's Alfred in this? <laughs> no, I did not yeah, see him. He's credited, him. but uh, <laughs> yeah, I was like, I don't think Alfred's in this episode. Maybe, um, maybe he was in a in a uh, in a scene and got cut. I feel like sometimes there's his names in the credits, even when he's not there. Like I feel like that's happened with a few. Maybe he's a back. Maybe he played like a background voice of like. Oh, maybe. Or maybe yeah. Maybe he's one somebody of the. Yeah, maybe somebody in the crowd, or maybe he's one of the. Uh, like, there's an episode where I think we talked about not too long ago where Bob Hastings is in it, but he doesn't play Commissioner Gordon. Like, so it does it does happen. I think where they just like, hey, yeah, can you do some grunts or or uh you know play a, maybe he's one of the thugs or something i don't know i didn't pick up on it if it was him but uh regardless uh he is credited in this episode but yes our our main guest actor of the piece is a, is a woman named allison laplaca playing both uh baby doll slash mary doll and uh, also playing the uh the, the mom june um who's kind of a i mean she's no stranger to sitcoms and and television uh, you know, going back uh, quite a few decades. Um, a lot of like, if you look up her IMDb, it's a lot of like two episodes on this show, one episode on this show, three episodes on Grey's Anatomy, two episodes on Boston Legal, you know, that kind of thing. Like she's, she's, she, she was a good old, you know, working actress for several years and also had some voice acting uh, chops as well. So this is where I come to like my, <laughs> my, my difficult time. This will be like the hardest part to grade. Because her voice as what she's doing, the baby doll voice. Mm-hmm. It's so annoying. <laughs> yeah. And by design, because she's right. Elmira. <laughs> right. Like she has a catchphrase. Like I get why. She's not doing anything wrong. She's playing the character the way this character. I mean, I don't think I would I wouldn't have played it this way because I wouldn't have written it that way. I right. say very arrogantly talk as if I could talk to Paul Dini about how he wrote the character, but you know what I mean? Like, it's right. like, it's, I don't, I'm not saying she did a bad job because she did what was actual. And when she drops the baby doll voice, I think she's really good. Yeah. Like when she went, even in that first scene, when the family's around the table and she, you know, she talks, she talks about how she, you know, she did the training and she went out for all the auditions and she sort of slowly realized that this is what, you know, the, the show was when she was the happiest I think she's really good. And then yes, that, that final scene where she's in the, in the fun house and, and the, the mirrors are everywhere. And she's yelling not only at herself, but yelling at Batman of, you know, why, why couldn't you just stay away and, you know, let me, you know, let me, let, let me play make believe or whatever. Um, I think she's really, really good, which goes back to how much I wish the rest of the episode was like that final scene. Right. Um, because I, yeah, I think she's genuinely great in, in, a couple of those scenes when she drops the the little kid voice, but the rest of it is her doing the kid voice and dropping little catchphrases and just being annoying. <laughs> yeah, that's why. I mean, we still have a couple people to go here, but that's ultimately why I struggled with the final score that I gave with this. It's like, man, I don't like this voice, but 
she's doing exactly what she was asked to do and doing so in a really good way. Like, how do I score this in a way that is, is like, uh, I I don't know. Cause uh, am I grading her acting or am I grading the characterization that they chose to do? What am I grading here? Because I, I probably should be giving the score according to the acting, but it's hard to separate that from the actual character itself because the character is so annoying and that voice <laughs> is so annoying. So yeah, I, I definitely struggled with that. I'm with you though. I think the little bits that we get of her in that dramatic piece of her pulling that facade off, especially when she does get to that, that moment and she puts her hand on the mirror and she sees herself. And again, we talked about our problems with the plot, but if that had been the story this whole time that her seeing herself as someone outside mm. of this character, that she wasn't this character that she was playing, that she was, she truly was. Uh, you know, an, an adult woman that would have been so much more interesting, but we didn't yeah. get that. We got 85% of tiny tunes voice, like for the entire episode. So yeah, I'm, I'm with you. We, there's some great stuff in there. It's just unfortunately masked under this, this goofy voice that she was putting on to be annoying. Yeah, it's a shame. Um, uh, as we've kind of alluded to, she does come back in the new Batman Adventures in a in a pretty memorable episode, uh, and definitely recast there. Like I would have loved to have had a full episode of her as herself. <laughs> I mean, I think she still does the voice a little bit in that episode too, but like if not to the degree in this episode. Um, so yeah, would have been uh, would have would have been nice to hear her get to to kind of uh, stretch her legs a little bit more as. Uh, in her, in her, um, I, mean, I don't know if it's her real voice, but her non, her non little baby talk voice um, would have been interesting to hear that. But uh, I guess once again, I guess we'll just never know. But uh, uh, we'll round out our voice cast chat. We, uh, of course, as mentioned, have uh, the late Kevin Conroy as Batman doing doing. Uh, he doesn't have a lot to do in this episode. He's got some exposition to dump. And then he does, like we said, he gets those kind of final moments in the episode sort of calling out to her. But uh, I think as as we've sort of alluded to all throughout the episode, Lauren Lester as Robin, the real star of this episode, uh, just he's us like he's he's I'm mean, really he's you like he hates his life in this episode. He's so mis- like the, the first thing he says, is like, oh, I watched this show as a kid. It still stinks. Right. And then, uh, yeah, he's making fun of her, like her. She's playing Hamlet or whatever, and he's making fun of that. And then, when he, he the line that when he's in the Batcave, where where Batman asks him like, "How's your research coming?" and he he tells the story about he's like, "Remember that time we almost got killed by poison ivy? <laughs> this is way worse." <laughs> yeah, I'm he's right. so funny in this episode. Is uh, is Lauren Lester? Yeah, he's really good. He's deadpan. He's not quite like he doesn't. He's not given quips the entire time, right? So he yeah. actually gets to to be a little bit more dry and sarcastic in the way that he's delivering. He's almost playing like the Alfred role, mm. like we would typically see, where Alfred would play the the droll, dry, you know, sarcasm. So yeah, he does that very well. He he was my spirit animal for this entire episode. So uh, kudos to Mr. Lester. He brought my uh, score up by a point. Absolutely. So yeah, if I didn't say my, uh, my final score was also a, a six out of 10 for, uh, for voice acting. Like I said, I, I 
I think there's some really good stuff in this episode. And like we said, all the homage voice actors they brought in from, from old sitcoms is a really cool idea. And, uh, and again, even like I said, Miss Laplaca's performance, I don't think she's doing a bad job with what was asked of her. Uh, as we often say, it's just uh, don't, don't really care for how the character what what was called upon her like i said i think she's great in those those quieter moments where she's speaking in her real voice but those are uh, those are unfu- uh, unfortunately they are few and far between yep i gave it the same exact score 6 out of 10 if i did not mention it but yeah uh, it's uh, it's um it's unfortunately more of an indictment that we didn't get to see or hear i guess that does go back to plot like if the plot had been better in my opinion if if the plot had been better then we would have gotten perhaps more of her serious voice and less of the cartoony goofy voice. I guess we also have to draw back to the fact that this is a kid's cartoon and maybe this is funny and cute for a kid. I don't know. Uh, I wonder if there's the, it's who framed Roger rabbit where there's like a baby. And then when the, Oh yeah. And then when when, like the yell cut, the baby like gets up and starts smoking a cigar and yeah, that sounds right. Like, I wonder if that was a little inspiration, too. I'm sure, like I said, a lot of... I don't think you got to twist Paul Dini's arms to write in, like, any kind of great, uh, like, wacky wacky sitcom or animation homages. But uh, I wonder if there was, like, a specific one that, that stood out to him. Well, our goal is to eventually get Paul Dini on the program. So hopefully, if he ever listens to this episode, he doesn't hold he it follows, again. <laughs> he follows us, so we got to... <laughs> you can't say in the tweet that we didn't... That we didn't didn't like the episode we gotta <laughs> tell him to listen to heart of ice and listen to how much we enjoyed that episode but absolutely uh, with all due respect everyone's or mixed spitzulated or a trillion other paul dini episodes that, that we, that's right that absolutely. we've liked <laughs> exactly not this one not our cup of tea definitely not my cup of tea more so than you though all right, Liam, let's begin to wrap things up here so uh totaling up my scores here we end up with a 20 out of 40. That's a 50% score, which uh, I'm pretty sure is a failing grade uh, in most school systems these days. Do they give out failing grades anymore? I don't know. I'm not in school. But uh, 20 out of 40 is my final score for this uh, this week's episode. What about you? Yeah, I guess we, we differed enough in a few of our categories. We weren't too far off, but I did end up with a final score of a little bit higher of 24 out of 40. Um, yeah, so getting into uh, rewatchability as we always do she does come back mm-hmm. um i think she is a very memorable character for this series as far as characters that were created for this series mm-hmm. um and i know it's it's a weird thing to talk about because i was thinking about that when we when we realized this episode was coming up next this is one of those episodes that like kind of made us want to do the show mm-hmm. um because as mentioned as we've told the story numerous times on our podcast and other people's podcasts uh that uh that uh our show kind of was spawned out of us sharing these different like listicles that we would send back and forth to each other ranking you know the top 10 episodes the top 25 episodes you know ranking every episode from best to worst in the whole series uh around the time of the the 25th anniversary of btos and this one's always very high on the list. I think some people even had it as like number two or number one. Mm-hmm. Um, and I just remember us being like, I feel like we're taking crazy pills. Right. Yeah. Um, and again, I don't begrudge anyone. And I, like I said, I get that, that last couple of minutes where she's, 
you know, sort of talking about, you know, seeing the real version of herself. Again, that's very relatable, whether you're, you know, someone go, you know, has gone through a very dramatic physical transformation, like, you know, if you're, if you're trans, or even if you're just someone that, you know, wishes they were taller or skinnier or better looking, like it's a very relatable feeling that she conveys in that final scene. And I feel like everybody's just remembering that final scene, which is, as we've said, really, really good. Yep. But the preceding 19 minutes and 30 seconds of this episode are uh no bueno so it's 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 a tough worst unrelated like not right (laughs) you're not telling the same story so it feels tacked on or like this weird swerve as right (laughs) yeah like i said i wish i wish uh i wish we wish more of the episode was like that wonderful final scene but uh, as it stands yeah i think it's a one thumb up for rewatchability because it is a very memorable episode of the series and the character comes back so it's not it's not going to make our short list uh for for episodes we want to revisit in our our free time i think it's safe to say Mm -hmm. but uh yeah i mean it's a it's a it's it's definitely memorable no one can deny that it's definitely an episode no one can (laughs) deny that yeah, I I would like to reserve judgment until we uh, I, I give this a temporary one thumb up. I re- obviously the character comes back, but I don't know how much of the character's first episode is referenced, or if there's a need to know who she is. If you can go into that blind, is like figure it out that she's a, a diminutive person that has hmm. this that dresses up like a baby doll. Like, can you get by with just the Wednesday ad? Like she. <laughs> She's a she's a Wednesday Adams cosplay child. Like that's <laughs> like I I, I don't yeah. know if you get by I, with that. I don't know. I was gonna say this is also very much a case I feel of like how the Star Wars prequels affect people of our age. Ah, uh, yeah. Because when she when Baby Doll like Paul Dini will put Baby Doll and stuff in a lot of his scripts now if he's doing a Batman story including in Batman, the adventures continue. She's popped up a few times. Uh, and I'm always like, Hey, it's baby doll. That's fun. Like, it's fun. Cause it's like, Oh, it's a thing I remember from before. Right. But then you go back to the thing and you're like, Oh, this is very good. <laughs> right. This is Jar Jar Binks. He really is as bad as we thought he was. Like, oh yeah. No, this isn't, you know, just cause maybe the, some of the newer stuff wasn't your cup of tea. Doesn't mean right. the old stuff was that great either. <laughs> just not all of it anyway. <laughs> right. Yeah. Yeah. Uh, it, it can definitely uh affect that so i reserve judgment i'll give it a a a, a temporary a temporary. A temporary one thumb up <laughs> with a right to rescind uh upon the viewing of uh love is a crock once we get down that to that episode down the road but yeah all right, Liam, let's begin to wrap things up. Thank you, everybody, for tuning in to this week's episode. We would love your support for the podcast. If you enjoyed this episode or other episodes, as we mentioned at the top, you can leave a five-star review on your favorite podcast app. If you leave one on Apple, that lets you leave a little paragraph or blurb about what you like about the episode. If we see it, it's five stars. We will read it on air here And then uh, we, as we mentioned at the top, we'll send you a little prize if you're here in the United States. So feel free, leave a review this week. That could be yours. It's not much competition. It's only been about one a week. So uh, Mm -hmm. that could could be you. So go ahead and leave one if you're interested in a little prize. We got uh, our other prizes shipped out already 
over the last couple of weeks. So uh, thank you to those that have left left reviews. Uh, Subscribe to us on whatever podcast app. If you listen to us on Spotify, that's a great uh, place to interact with us also. There's an exclusive Spotify poll and a question of the week. Uh, Those are two different ways to interact with us if you listen on Spotify. Uh, yeah, tell your friends about the show too. If you have friends that like the DCAU uh, or DC animation, or if you're looking to get them into Batman, the animated series, it's a good intro into that, but uh, subscribe to us on the pod towers. We mentioned uh, at youtube.com slash the pod tower. Uh, if you want to support the podcast with your finances, uh, we greatly appreciate those that do that every single month. There is a link in the show notes to support us uh, with a donate option uh, buy me and liam coffee keep us caffeine fueled every single day of our lives Uh, you can also uh, purchase yourself a hat shirt or mug uh, maybe a sticker if you want to that's all available on our merch store that is also linked in the show notes Uh, with black friday coming up in a few weeks i'm sure there's going to be plenty of sales going on so keep an eye on for those if you're looking to get up get a shirt or two and um, best bang for your buck Liam, we uh, also have our social media at DCAU Review on the website formerly known as Twitter, now X, and Instagram. And uh, we talk about each and every week on those forms of social media what our next episodes will be. But we also, of course, preview them here. So let's talk about what our episode will be next week that we'll be reviewing. That's right. So next week, I think we have, we're really just going to hit a run of episodes that I feel like are the most memorable to us <laughs> um, just because it feels like those, those later episodes were much more heavily rotated in the reruns uh, maybe because more of them featured Robin. I don't know, but, uh, but uh, certainly this episode I think ranks right up there as next week, we'll be talking about uh, the lion and this episode as we'll talk about. And uh, as a trivia note, it was the final episode of the original series to air. So we know this one is way later. This is the last to air, even though it was not actually the last one produced. So uh, excited to see this one. We learn we learn a little bit about Alfred's past and and how he came to be as as the story goes. That's right. The Lion and the Unicorn coming up next week. It is going to be one to remember. This one ends on the bottom of a lot of people's yes. lists. So we'll see how <laughs> that turns out to be true. Uh, yeah, or if uh, I, I seem to remember us kind of enjoying it as kids. So we'll see. Uh, do these hold up to what our original opinions were or what the, uh, the popular vote gets? We will see. Can't wait to check that one out with you, Liam. But until then, I'm Cal. And I'm Liam. And we will talk to you on the next episode of the DCAU Review. Bye-bye.